like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We've got to stop them. They're going to kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. I'm when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! Welcome to Crip Ricks I've Been Thinking. What's this show all about? Well, it's all in the title. He enjoys interviewing people about issues that he finds interesting and which cause him to sit back and think. Cryptocurrency, true crime, natural law, the occult. No topic is off limits here. He has always enjoyed when people give their points of view or thoughts on different topics that they have researched. And what makes it all great? that it's their unique take on what is being discussed. For that reason alone, it makes it interesting to him. So take that walk down to his crypt. Make yourself comfortable. And just maybe, he will be discussing a topic that you have been thinking about. Here's your host, Crypt Rick. Well, welcome everybody. You are here. We are back. Another episode of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking, hoping everybody had themselves a great weekend and the start of a great week. Mondays are always a great uh, day for me, actually. It's the start of a new week, new uh, adventures, great stuff, you know, new interviews, all kinds of great things. So I really do look forward to Mondays and I do look forward to doing this show. Definitely talking with everyone, great guests. So Definitely am having a great uh, start of the week, actually, despite the weather being kind of horrible. As I always let people know the weather at the beginning of my show, it's still been raining. We get a little bit of sun and it rains on us, but that's okay. We need the rain, so I'm not going to complain too much. Just before we get the show started, I just like to do, uh, like my announcements, I like to do at the beginning of every show to let everyone know that here at Revolution Radio, it is listener supported. And I always say to you guys, you guys are what make this all work and go around by your generosity, by your donations. 
many different ways to donate. Uh, if you're in the cryptocurrency, we got you covered. Yeah, you got Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. So that's a great way. Also got Patreon if you want to do like a monthly payment. Many different amounts and everything helps because I always try to stress to people that freedom is definitely getting attacked. Freedom of speech is definitely getting attacked and censored very hard. And it's getting harder to get people, uh, get the message out and to get truth out because a lot of the major platforms I've experienced in myself, as soon as you start covering certain topics, they definitely uh, either pull your video, pull your comment, uh, pull your channel. A lot of things they're doing to uh, stop people from getting the truth out there. So I think it's a great cause to support. Uh, every donation is super appreciated, guys. And don't forget to also check out the store. Lots of cool stuff there. A great way to show support for Revolution Radio. Got t-shirts. Uh, a Mad Painter is making lots of awesome mugs for all the different uh, hosts on the show. So definitely check them out. That's a great way to show support and a great way to fight back because they are definitely pulling. They're not pulling any punches anymore. They are definitely coming after us. So just want to let everyone know how greatly we appreciate everybody who has donated and who is donating. Super important, especially at this time. So thank you so much from all the hosts here and management, everyone. It's uh a great cause in my opinion obviously so thank you and just want to go ahead and let you know i have a great guest lined up very excited to do this interview we're going to be covering a lot of topics so uh i definitely hope after this interview you definitely check out this uh person's uh you know show on the one great work network that's how i did find his uh information and love what i've been listening to he has uh he's also an author he's written two books one called slavery gone for good uh, modern abolitionism and the wisdom of nature so the two books there and he also does have a live stream show that he does on the one great work network and i think twitch he'll have to correct me i'm not but i do definitely know it's on the one great work network every friday night 9 p.m eastern standard time so definitely check that out if you do like live shows like this and so i'm very excited to have my guest on i want to welcome them this is uh welcome Corey edmund how are you this evening Hey, thank you for having me, Crypt Rick. I'm <laughs> glad to be here. Perfect. I'm excited to have you. I'm, I've been looking forward to this interview all like for the last few days for sure. Uh, and I know we have a lot of topics to cover. So I'm, that's why I was letting people know. I hope that they will go and check out your work on the One Great Work Network and where else you can point them at the end of this. I'll make sure you get time to let everyone know where they can find all your work and what you got going on. So we'll definitely cover that at the end. And I hope that people do check out your work. You're doing amazing stuff. And I mean, we've only got two hours here and we got a lot of topics that we want to touch on. So I hope that they do mm -hmm. find your work and dive into it deeper because we can only go so far in two hours. So uh, I hope they will definitely check out your work. Amazing stuff, Corey. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely get through a lot, though. Uh, you know, it's it's my job as a teacher of this knowledge. I consider myself uh, to try to deliver this in an easy way for people. You know, you could go down the rabbit hole for hours all day and maybe people can relate to this. You know, they've done research before. Mm -hmm. They're like, man, I want to learn more about this topic or that topic. Uh, but I think it's the role of people who want to be teachers, who want to educate the public, who want to make it easier for this knowledge to get out there and to more people that we make things a little bit more simple for people. We deliver them in different formats and add our own spin on it. 
I agree, a hundred percent. I agree, and that's a that's a probably a good way. To, like, let's kind of like touch on the because we were talking about uh, when we were off air uh, about the independent media and how in, and how important it is. Because as I was saying at the intro, and I say it every week that definitely they the major platforms are really, and I've experienced it myself, Corey, where they are just I've had interviews that were pulled before they even premiered. They were just waiting to be premiered the next day just by the title alone they yanked my video and uh stroke mm-hmm. struck me down for it and i know a lot of other creators that are doing this work and they're they're not be able they're not able to get the information out there uh easily because it's being censored and yanked down as i as i say and they're definitely not letting it get out there so what is your i just want to get your thoughts on the independent media and the state of it uh what do you think needs to happen get fixed or any just what your thoughts are basically on the independent media at the start yeah that's a good question uh to tie back what you said about censorship that is very very important obviously if we can't get the ideas out there to begin with i mean people they may only have one choice in their life when it comes to health right like if let's say there's a natural medicinal out there that is proven to work for a certain condition and we only are exposed to the pharmaceutical version how will we ever know about the alternative if that gets censored all the time if people talk about it in videos and the algorithms pick up on the words that they're saying the titles that they're using the thumbnails that they're using the images that they're showing and you know it's too offensive or it's misinformation and it's all this stuff which it's kind of hard to know what is misinformation you know according to the platform it's basically whatever they just don't want out there uh and of course we have the option to go to other platforms and that's what's been done is now there's new platforms like bitshoot and brighteon and odyssey odyssey uh as like youtube replacements and there's a lot of other replacements coming out of the woodworks and you see there's like the whole twitter thing going on so a lot of people obviously want freedom of speech they're seeing the censorship happening hopefully more people are starting to notice it and they're wanting to make these companies uh get held accountable uh but at the same mm-hmm. time we have to recognize that, yes, we have to be the change, create the platforms if they don't exist and support those platforms. And for people who are like, well, why are you still on YouTube, Corey? It's like, well, how did you learn about Brighton or BitChute? Likely through one of the mainstream platforms. Exactly. It doesn't hurt to get the truth out anywhere you can. It doesn't matter what platform you use. And that can actually help bring people to the alternative platforms. And if it works better than YouTube, if it works better than the mainstream platforms, I think uh, people will want to stay there anyways. You know, a lot of the old dinosaur media, people don't trust what they see on TV anymore. People would Mm -hmm. rather watch Twitch streams. People would rather uh, go on Twitter for their news feed or Instagram and see the latest memes. You know, the, the, the times are changing and we have to keep up with those times. And so with the information, how we deliver that information, a book back then is a is a PowerPoint today. You know, it's a, exactly. it's a video today. It's just it's technology just becoming more advanced and it doesn't have to be the enemy of the people. It could be the great tool of the people. It depends on how you use it uh, as an individual using such technology, such a tool. Uh, mm-hmm. So for the independent media, this is the great deal of, well, how do we create change? Because independent media was created by definition as an alternative to the mainstream media. The yep. mainstream media is not trusted by the people. Uh, you know, people are seeing that they're lying. They have agendas. They're biased, et cetera. And the independent media is like, OK, we're going to take this upon ourselves to do our own research, to have actual investigative journalism 
and bring that to the public and educate the public ultimately, which is what I'd hope would be the objective of all media, which is to educate, not to put them in fear or propagate, you know, the exactly. minds of the masses. Uh, the goal should be education. And that's something I stress greatly. Again, you know, I refer to myself as a teacher. I don't see I see all of us as teachers. We all have something to share. We all have something that somebody else doesn't know. And it's just a matter of putting that in a format that can be digestible. So when it comes to censorship, then in com combination with independent media, we have to question how are we going to defeat that? And this is a question that I've been tackling. How do you defeat that? Well, maybe we actually need some real life action as well. Maybe the independent media needs to unite more in their efforts. And I've been calling for this for the past couple of years. And to be honest, I've been asking for a critique upon some of the creations that I've made. I've made a movement for independent media to unite upon as I see it as essential. I mean, if you had independent media to share one message, one flag, one symbol, what have you, you'd already have millions of people in the movement right off the bat, enough yep. to change the world. I mean, it's independent media is that powerful in this current state and age. Now, you know, you can look at different independent media businesses, per se, and maybe they make their business off of playing the political games. Maybe they don't want to talk about philosophy. Maybe they don't want to escape the two party system. You know, I'm mm -hmm. talking about Infowars and some of the big guys out there. I think they put out some really good information, but also are they getting to the root of what freedom is, how we achieve freedom? And are they encouraging people to go to their neighbors to uh, meet up in real life and get involved with organizations like Freedom Cells and also educate people on what needs to be educated? Are they having just this mere conversation of what should we do for action? And mm -hmm. I just simply do not see it. I haven't seen it for two years. And, you know, I create a movement. I ask for a critique to say the least. I, I, I offer it to uh, these independent media organizations and nothing. And, you know, I'm not a big content creator. I don't expect to be seen, but I have been seen by some pretty big people out there, I would say, or people with a, a general fan base. But even then, even within my own network, I, I don't see the particular actions that I've been stressing uh, being done. And, and some of them are very simple. Like I right. said, having some shared symbolism or shared websites, uh, because if we have that, then it says, wow, here's a voice that's amplified. And I, I, like I said, I'm willing to improve. I created a website for a movement. It's called NITA.ONE. It stands for Nature is the Answer. It doesn't have to be the way I envision the movement to be. The way we change the world doesn't have to be the way I envision it to be. I simply want the conversation to head that direction. I read over 100 books in like a month trying to figure out, well, how could we change the world? What are all the resources that we can find? Could we look at the past and the movements like Gandhi and the American Founding Fathers? How did they do it? You know, they often protested taxation. They got together. They started their own newspapers. They educated the public. They stood their ground. They didn't have to take up arms to the state and and declare their independence. No, they simply had to say, we are free. Let us be free. Gandhi managed to do it with no weapons. That's how powerful a moral cause can be. But to put it in application, either, it, there are requirements. There's requirements for what we want in the world. Exactly. And I actually found out there's three in particular that creates a really strong movement. And I could give you two examples of a very successful movement Perfect. nowadays. Yep. Um, so would you like to hear it? Yeah, <laughs> I would. Yes, for sure. I'm right into this. Yes, definitely. Go ahead, Corey. So the three aspects I see for a successful movement based, again, on my research, my understanding is one representation two education and three integration. 
so integration would be people coming together. This should be obvious. You don't have a movement without people coming together, mm-hmm. but you also don't have a movement without a central idea. And that idea needs to have education behind it. So that's number two. And then number one was representation, which I consider the forgotten step and the first and foremost easiest step, if anything, which is to have some sort of flag or symbol or representation. And I think a lot of people in the freedom movement or people who care about freedom, you know, they're moving away from symbols. They're moving away from uh, sort of collectivist notions. I don't blame them. I don't want to join a group or a club or a team or anything like that. I'm myself. I own myself. But yep. at the same time, yep. there are requirements that, like I said, can amplify our voices and say this is where we belong and it can get the message out to even more people if we shared it with one another. So yep. representation comes first. Education is the next result and then integration is the next result. It's actually a very gradual process that happens naturally because let's say somebody views this uh, this radio show or a, a sheet, a, a flag or any sort of material, that's going to lead them to something else, to knowledge. And that knowledge, they're going to be like, if they think it's impactful and they think it's going to help people, they're going to share that with others. And then if everybody agrees that this is like really powerful, then what you have already is a movement. And even me, you know, creating a movement and creating a foundation Maybe I don't have to do that because that will naturally happen as more people start to be educated about statism and natural law and a lot of the topics that you talk about on your show. Mm -hmm. But does it help to have some sort of foundation, some sort of structure? Because we see it's actually really essential. So if I look at two successful movements today, I can name two. And I know people might have some controversial thoughts about them, but you know what? They're successful. And that is something we need to notice is that if they're succeeding, how are they succeeding? It's the same way you can look at how were people brought into the system of deception of government. They had to get there somehow. It was through symbolism. It was through occult messages and meanings. It was through getting down to that subconscious and and uh, manipulating people from birth. We're not trying to manipulate people. We want to deprogram them. So maybe we want to offer our own uh, symbolisms, ones that aren't going to manipulate people's brains, but actually wake them up, reverse the process. Right. And introduce the counter information, the counter technologies, the counter alternatives, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And then what you have is is a powerful solution. And um, so a movement is definitely essential. But yeah, so the two movements I see are really succeeding at the moment is Flat Earth Movement, which people are going to have very, very strong, true. Yes. People are going to have strong opinions about them. But again, regardless of your opinion about this movement, they are successful. You can talk to anybody around the world and they generally know what it is. They generally know even what the flat earth looks like according to their model. You know, it's the Gleason's map. It's the circle map with the Polaris in the center. They have a shared symbolism. They all stress education. They all like there's groups all around the world who translate each other's works and they network. They come together. They have all this crazy stuff. Even Eric DeBay put out a video recently uh, talking about how we can do all these things to help promote the truth. And that video is fantastic. Like, again, even regardless of your views on that subject, the strategies they used brought them success. And even if you say, well, oh, the CIA operated or they got assistance here or yeah, there. I've heard that one. <laughs> regardless, they still have the strategies that will allow them to grow. And Eric DeBay was one of the first people who got on top of this knowledge. And then a lot of the CIA agents and such uh, started to uh, take that work and use it for their agenda. He has right. many videos about that. And, you know, I even had chats with Eric DeBay. He seems pretty genuine. He covers all his criticisms. So, you know, it's just important to look at that. And maybe somebody's going to be like, well, he's an agent and he's controlled 
Again, regardless of the actions, though, that I'm looking at in particular here, another uh, movement I can use as as an example is the common law assemblies. If you know anything about the common law assemblies, uh, these are people who are like, you need to become sovereign, uh, basically get rid of a lot of your licenses and permits and correct your status per se. These are different terminologies they use. But they have such a high stress on education. Everybody that gets involved and needs to know about their knowledge, it's all education. And when you get involved with them, you realize you see a whole different reality. Every time you see a regular American flag, you're like, wait, that's the corporate war flag. Every time you see a license plate, you're like, wait, I'm asking for permission to be free. They completely reprogram your whole reality to the point where the system that it is, the corrupt system, uh, just doesn't make sense to you anymore. So, I mean, that's that's just one thing that will just blow, you know, your your worldview out the window, although, you know, I might be critical of it because it's not necessarily talking about natural law or morality. Uh, It's still, like I said, within the actions of this movement, they have all three. They have their own flag, which is the U.S. civil flag of I think it's uh, 1779. And it's one that I have behind me, actually, (laughs) in my office, which uh, is a flag that a lot of people the olden time know about. But it's basically the Star Stangled Banner, but opposite. So the lines are are up and down. It's totally different, but it's a flag that represents peace, not war. And they're using that as uh, their flag, their emblem, which is great because then they can create more of a presence. And people are like, what is this flag? Why is it being used? It causes a lot of questions. Then they get into all this education. Their networking is insane. These guys are creating their own court systems. They're creating their own assemblies. They're trying to find new people and educate them. I mean, this is what I want to see in independent media. If if their ideas are going to succeed at all. In in my opinion, I don't think we will succeed no matter how big natural law or statism gets to the public. I don't think we will succeed without a movement in one way, shape or form. Like I said, some will naturally grow, but they need to have this structure in order for them to sustain and have some sort of foothold, uh, especially through the censorship, because once you have a real life base, censorship can't defeat that. Censorship is weak uh, to compared to if you have a lot of people in real life connected and building communities. Nothing can beat that. I, I agree totally with what you're saying. And, and I wanted to ask you because talking about the independent media and I'm looking at it from my what I see, I see a lot of uh, the problem is that it's kind of like what you're touching on. I just see a lot of infighting. Uh, to be honest, I just yeah. see a lot of groups. They're not. And I keep saying I've said on many shows and interviews that I've done that that is one of the main reasons why we're not getting the traction that we need and getting enough of the information out there and people even presenting this information is because they're too busy. All these groups are fighting amongst themselves. And I think, and I do, I think that that is kind of by design in a way, possibly. I think that maybe mm-hmm. there is some manipulation going on and groups are getting infiltrated and they started, kind of start see, uh, putting the seeds in of, uh, this uh you know deceit and arguing and stuff like that but do you see that happening because that's what i at least from where what i the groups that i'm keeping track of and looking at i just see a lot of infighting and nobody's coming together yeah and how 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 do you yeah like you were saying how do you tackle what we're facing if we're not in a one unit and we're all fighting amongst ourselves it, we can't get any traction they're creating their own fears 
Like they right. say the zombie apocalypse is happening. And honestly, to some extent, independent media is partly responsible for yep. that happening by mentioning that, by manifesting it and make everybody believe that it's happening. You know, doomsday is going to happen. Collapses are going to happen, even if true. Uh, there is some fear factor in that, not just in the mainstream media. We see it in the independent media as well. For sure. There's problems, if, of course, that you can find everywhere and there's people also in echo chambers right where people want to stay within their communities and they don't want to expand elsewhere so i agree we, what we need to do is open the mind and also be open to confrontation meaning i will go to flat earth conferences i will go to political conferences i may not like it but you know mm -hmm. what that little spark of fire that little spark of controversy can do great wonders in certain people who will never be exposed to alternative information if it weren't for me doing that I went to so many different places and yes, you know, I can get ridicule and people will will try to I've had times where people will yell at me, even if I'm the most respectful person on earth. I never raise my voice. I'm I don't even curse. You know, I, this is how I am on 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 camera too on my on my channels. I keep it generally pretty professional. I have documentaries addressing every single topic. But, you know, are they going to look into that knowledge? Most of the time, no. Um, but if they're yeah. confident, if they're being confronted with that information with somebody who stands for that information often uh <laughs> their annoyance of that their ignorance of that knowledge they might expose themselves if they start unleashing their anger out on you and then other people will see that and be like why is this person getting so angry at him he's just trying to have a conversation yep and that's what i've had happen it's like there's some sane people in the room who will look at me and be like uh wait he's not saying anything bad and then they'll talk to me after and be like yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Like, and I'm like, gosh, at least somebody has empathy because like, here's, here's a young person, right? I'm not that old. I'm, I'm pretty relatively young, just trying to have an intelligent conversation and they don't even want to hear it. They don't even want to talk about it. But again, we can't be afraid to face our fears. I mean, this is the number one thing we have to do to achieve anything in this life, whether you're going to the gym and going to gain muscle or you're trying to expand your mind. You have to face the things you don't want to face. You have to confront it. You have to get down to it. You have to be courage, uh, courageous. You need to just start doing it, practicing like you start your own radio show. Right. And yep. you're going to keep doing it. And the, and, the, and the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes and you become better at speaking, you become better at doing it. And you start meeting more people and they help you. And you may say, well, that can get you secluded in an echo chamber. But that's your choice. You don't have to be in an echo chamber. Exactly. You can still you can still go out of your echo chamber, try to find other communities like I'm doing and people that have no clue what this information is and still just try to get it out there because it's planting seeds ultimately. And, That's what I say. Yep. And, and who needs seeds. that knowledge the most? Think about it, right? It's the people who are never exposed to that information, mm -hmm. who never do research for themselves, who always get their information from the mainstream media. They need that knowledge the most. But if they're secluded in their echo chambers and you're secluded in your echo chambers, how will the bridges ever meet? You know, in, in, in the common law assembly, yeah, they don't talk about natural law and morality. I see that as a big problem. But is that going to stop me from collaborating with them? Is that going to stop me from trying to see what I can do with them and, and introduce those ideas to them? No, I'm going to actually talk to them. In fact, because they're more out of the system, they might be more receptive of what I have to say. And they are. I talk to the people in the common law assembly and I'm like, this is some of the most receptive people I've ever talked to. And they're not political, but, you know, they're doing some things that might be considered political, right. but they're on the edge. It's like it's like talking to a minarchist or a libertarian and they're not like fully an abolitionist or an anarchist. Right. 
um, they're they're on the edge. They're not quite there, but they can be if they perhaps have a, a more information to sharpen their worldview. And I'm sure there's some listeners right now who maybe uh, have that minarchist or libertarian uh, point of view where they just want smaller governments. They just want uh, limited government. And, you know, I have videos addressing this. You can check them out as well. Yep. Um, and you it's just a matter of knowledge, right? If you attain more knowledge of how things work and you're like, well, wait, maybe it doesn't have to be limited. Maybe it can never be. Maybe it's in the nature of the system that it simply cannot. Can you limit slavery? You know, if you allow any violence, does that allow it to grow? <laughs> so these exactly. are just mere questions. And if you ask yourself these questions and run the logic through your head, you realize maybe it's just all an illusion and something that we were completely just taught to believe. If I look outside my neighborhood, do I see people generally living in order? Do they need necessarily some centralized police state telling them to live in order? No, I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't, don't think, think so that, either. Yeah, I, I don't think so, especially if you're in America. I think you could see it a little bit better because more people have their own firearms. If you're in a different part of the world, you're a little bit farther, perhaps, from more freedoms. It's going to be harder to see what freedom looks like. So it's it's when you're more wrapped in the illusion, you're going to be more likely to embrace that illusion. And when you're going closer to nature, you realize that nature is the answer and you're embracing it more parts of your life. You start to realize that it is the answer across multitudes of different factors. Like I was in health. I would realize, hey, natural medicine can heal the body. You just have to support the body, what the body naturally is supposed to do. But what if we apply that to natural law, what we're supposed to do in the world socially as human beings? You know, right. what if there's things we're intended to do, supposed to do with one another, you know, talk, I don't know, play games, have fun, just hang out. Um, and what happens when one person or a few people have an agenda and they want to disturb that? Is everybody going to feel a sort of disturbance in the order? Uh, there's an order that happens when people get together and they and they want to share ideas with one another. And that order I think people start to understand, you know, natural yeah. order can be differentiated from natural law. But you get the point yeah. is that there's a harmony within the universe. There's an intelligence that we're tapping into to understand what we should do, what our actions should be. Right. I told I, you say it perfect. Wow. Like exactly. And I and I agree. Um, the, the problem I'm having, though, Corey, if I'm being totally honest, when I try to present a lot of this information, because I, I totally agree with you that. It's very dangerous to get into an echo chamber and surround – I think that some people maybe get surrounded by people that are like-minded in thinking. They understand all of this information of natural law and objective morality and that. So you kind of think that that's how everybody thinks. And so I, I agree with you that it's very dangerous to get – to kind of get secure in your little echo chamber and not reach out and, and have discussions with people who may not under not even know what the – natural law is or any of these topics that we cover but you have to be willing to go out of your side of your safety zone and have these discussions i think that's where true uh magic happens if i for a better lack of a better way to describe it but i think that's where real um these real conversations is where things happen and i and i think people have to start doing that the problem i'm having and i don't know if you've run into this but a lot of the people i talk to they they have, they don't even want to listen. That's the thing that really gets me um, kind of not angry, but I guess it's definitely frustrating. And I don't know. Some people have been doing this for 15, 20 years. I tell you, they I got to admire them because 
they are definitely uh it, it sometimes it gets so frustrating because people just don't seem to want to even take in this information and i and i always tell people you don't have to believe it you don't have to agree with me but please just at least take the time to look into this information such as natural law or any other topic objective morality the occult and you name it and i'm just finding a lot of people don't they always have the excuse that they don't have the time or, you know, I hear a plethora of excuses and I'm just wondering, is that something that you've run into and mm-hmm. how do you get people to actually, like, I'm kind of at the point now where I think that people just, I like the way you said planting seeds, because I've said that too, the best I can do is plant seeds because I don't think I'm going to wake anybody up. I think they have to kind of want to seek this information out uh, of themselves and then they're easy to kind of work with and you can point them to all this great information. But how do you do that with people that don't even want to open their their mind up to even look at it? I'm, I've definitely run into a lot of people in that category. Yeah, they have to have some sort of personal drive or purpose within their life uh, that really drives them to want to seek out the information. So in a sense, we need to connect with each individual individually and recognize what is it that they currently know, what is it that they currently want, and what does that tell us about their mind? Uh, We need to connect with them first before we can just be like, you need to check out this information (laughs) and go on this channel and, you know, because we can probably overload them, if anything, sometimes. I've done that. (laughs) Overwhelm them. And they're like, yeah, now I'm definitely not going to look into it. It's like. We need to there needs to be a gradual transition. And for us, how did we get there? Right. I got there by surprise, didn't expect to run into certain knowledge. But I did ask a lot of questions. I had some sort of internal drive driving me throughout the years with a purpose, a purpose of what I do want to find the truth. I I do want to ask questions. I do want to have an open mind. Why should I stay in my own, uh, you know, echo chamber of thought, Uh, you know, and so I questioned myself constantly, and that allowed me to come up to uh, the positions that I currently have, which some people are questioning, actually, in the chats that I see, um, which I can get into. But, um, sure. yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process, and we need to connect with people and understand what they're currently thinking. Because if somebody has a purpose, like let's say they, want, they just want their family to be well off. They just want their kids to have a good future, right? These are basic essentials that a lot of people want. Maybe we can make an appeal to that uh, and address that and be and connect it to the ideas. So that way they have some sort of interest uh, in those ideas and realize that actually it's essential, right? If we're talking about slavery and we're talking about violence and we're talking about the future and what could potentially happen if we do not learn our lesson, if we do right. not learn from history, that's something that I'm pretty sure anybody should want to know if they want to secure the future for their children uh, or for their, for their life and they have plans, you know, if they uh, see all the craziness in the news, they, they watch the news, they're like, oh, my gosh, there's just all this confusion and chaos. Uh, yeah. They probably should want some clarity among why that chaos is happening. Uh, and we can we can provide insight. Like, how do you get to that point? And you know, what what creates that actually uh, the philosophy yeah. side of things, because people in politics, uh, they don't look at philosophy. Uh, you know, people in philosophy don't always look at the politics side like you. There's there's gaps in every group. Right. There's Very always true. something yes. to, to find. I can appeal to people in religion even and talk about God's government. I could say, well, hey, you know, you believe in God and, you know, he has this president over a lot of people. 
well, what makes man's law, man's government legitimate? Does, does man have a place among God? Does God write the Constitution, as a lot of people claim? Uh, what makes it so, you know, that it's That's a true. it's a God made uh, Constitution? And I, I'm just interested to hear their thoughts about that. And so if I learn more from them, I could just ask questions on their belief system rather than imposing my belief system upon theirs. It should not be the case. I should ask their own belief system, because if anything, there would be contradictions within themselves if they believe that violence is necessary or that government is necessary when we know that government, by definition, is a monopoly on violence or slavery, uh, as I like to say. Now, in order to back that up, because now I just made a big statement that a lot of people who are watching are like, what is that? What are you talking about? I'm an abolitionist. Okay, that's my views. Uh, I don't call myself an anarchist or a voluntarist. I can if I want to. um, But I think they come with a lot of different other notions that a lot of people drag into the conversation. I like to say abolitionist because it gets to the heart of the matter. We're tackling slavery. It's a moral issue. Can you let people know what that means? Like I just so because some people that are listening, maybe they've never even heard that word or what it means. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of cover that just so we we can get a foundation for that. Sure. Abolitionism comes from the word abolishing, right? So we it, it means that we're abolishing something. Uh, people have used it to say abolish this, abolish that. Uh, in particular, abolitionism is the movement that was used in the 1800s to free the slaves from chattel slavery. So this is one particular form of slavery. And for me to bring back abolitionism and bring this to the modern day and age, I'm insinuating that there still exists slavery, but in different forms, not limited to chattel slavery. Because chattel slavery still exists, but it's clearly not as aggregated as it used to be. Why? Because people see it generally as morally wrong. Not necessarily because it's illegal, but because they see it as wrong. If I ask the average person, like, hey, why don't you just uh, chain this person to a wall and call them their slave? They're going to be like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. That's immoral. It's like common sense for them. But if you go back 200 years, it's like, oh, this is common practice. This is economics. This is how we make everything work. How would we pick the cotton without the slaves? Everybody has their own slave. You know, basically like a little local government in every area and everybody's thriving off of the backs of another. Um, But yet when we freed the slaves, cotton production actually got even better and our freedoms increased overall. We had a lot more innovation. And this is the deal is that we fear freedom. Uh, The slaves especially will fear their own freedom and they might be convinced that they should be slaves. Yep. But and, and we can relate this to nowadays, you know, people believe I was just going to gonna be, say that I was gonna <laughs> say we can relate that to what's going on right now. People will relate this to nowadays. Right. And and they say, well, people are participating in politics and these rituals of let's, you know, write down these fancy words on these fancy pieces of paper and call them law and tell everybody else to obey them, even though it's claiming ownership over somebody's life and property. And is that not slavery? You know, when somebody is telling you you have to pay this uh, or else and you have no choice in the matter of what to do with your own labor, your own fruits of your labor. How is that not slavery? You know, you are not voluntarily choosing to say, hey, yeah, I'll give my money away for this project. Yeah, I'm willing to help uh, build the road, supposedly. Right. Because that's what everybody thinks their money is going to. And a hundred percent. I hear that all the time. And actually, yeah. And it's in these these arguments, when you really start to look deep in, into them, and I have videos, like I said, addressing each one of these, 
they just don't make sense. And, and there's a really simple question that you can ask people if they are essentially an abolitionist or an anarchist. You know, do you believe there should be a third party if two people want to trade with one another? You know, like, hey, I'll give you some uh, some, you know, apples for some oranges. And they're like, OK, yeah, you know, I got an apple tree and this person's got an orange tree. Like, hey, I'm going to give you some apples or give me some oranges. Or, or do you want some third party to be like, make sure you tax both of these guys and make sure that, you know, I, I see everything that's happening uh, do you want that third party there? I think most people don't want that third party there in their life. It's just a stress. It gets in the way. I talk to a lot of people in medicine. It's the same deal. It's like they want to have a medical practice. They want to help people with healing their, their life and their body, but they're constantly being limited by the government of yeah. what they can do with their own practice. It's like, is the government now the doctor? Is the government supposed to be my medical physician? I mean, you look at the on TV, all these politicians think they know what, you know, all everything about health and that they get to decide for everybody else what they should do with their own body, with their own health. Is that not a claim of ownership over other people's health? And you say, well, it's for the greater good. It's because people don't understand it or it's <laughs> yep. because of the experts. How can we make a justification for slavery? And this is what I see a lot of the time. And it is just, again, history on, on a cycle of repeat. We saw this in the 1800s, people making justifications for slavery, uh, whether it be through religion or politics or economics. And they never they just want to get away from the moral situation. Right. Because when they're confronted with morality, is it right to own a slave to claim uh, pro uh, ownership over their property? It's like, no, no. <laughs> and what is what is a slave's property? Themselves, their own yeah. body, their life, their freedom, their freedom is a, is a form of property. And in order to have control over your piece of property, think of it like a car, right? Like you have a car uh, that you have to keep responsibility over. If you don't, if you're not responsible for your own car, how is your car going to end up? You know, it might, not it might good. not end up so well. Uh, you're not taking care of it, just like anything else that you own. So the same thing with your body. If you're going to own your body, you got to prove it to others that you own your body. You got to take care of it. You got to keep it in good health, good condition, and your body will reward you for doing that. And yep. the same thing with your freedom. You have to be responsible for your freedom. So essentially, you have the right to freedom. Freedom is a natural condition. Nobody comes out of the womb with somebody saying, hey, uh, you're 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 a slave like naturally. No, they have to impose that condition. That's a man-made condition imposed upon them like here. Uh, make sure to sign this birth certificate. Let's chain them up. You're automatically a slave because you're born in a slave family. Mm -hmm. This is how it was back then. And it still is today. Just in, like I said, with the birth certificate and other things. Um, but people feel like they're basically in debt in servitude to the government. This person that they barely even know. You know, and then and then they make it feel like, oh, yeah, I, I know this person. I see them on TV. They sound like me. They relate to me. That doesn't still that doesn't legitimize the act. The you know, act, even if exactly. you're convinced of your own enslavement, you're convinced like this person should rule over me. He's going to have the best things. He's going to steal from everybody else to provide for me. You know, yep. how egotistical, number one, is that? And number two, it's like it just doesn't make sense in reality. You have to create a lot of man-made conditions to justify something that everybody soon thinks is natural. A lot of people think government is natural, like we can't live without it because they were born into a system where they can't imagine a reality without it. Yeah. They've never truly embraced freedom, so of course they're going to fear freedom. And if they fear freedom because of the possible chaos that will happen within, how are they responsible for their freedom? If freedom requires responsibility, because, yeah, there is going to be some problems. If I see somebody harming somebody else, am I just going to stand there and do nothing like, oh, yeah, this guy's just going to hurt someone. I'm just going to let it happen. 
Uh, maybe if there's a police force that I feel like has to handle all my issues for me. But in a world where we're responsible and obligated to be responsible, I'm probably going to want to help that person. And exactly. I probably should. Yeah. Uh, why not have the obligation to be responsible and why not be responsible to be free? This is the big notion. You, you can't just get rid of government. You can't just get rid of slavery. You can't just create anarchy out of nowhere. It comes naturally as the result of people owning themselves and showing that they own themselves. 100%. That's and the I, only way you achieve actual yep. freedom. You cannot be like, okay, let's just get rid of everything. It's not going to work. It'll just grow back into another system because the belief system of statism, which I call mental slavery, still exists. It's going to inevitably result in physical slavery, which exactly. you can say is government. Yep. Um, and it's but, amazing how the people that – and I do. I, I know exactly what you're saying because I'll talk to people about this very issue, and they'll say, so you want to abolish all government? And then their immediate thing is is that they it's kind of shocking how they defend – really really defend their slavery in the government like it, it's kind of shocking when you see what's going on and it, it was very jarring for me how some people uh are quite happy with their chains i say like you're they're happy to think the government's doing a great job and which just boggles my brain when i think about it and i try to talk to them but they always go to that like okay so then and they think it's gonna like i mean it's gonna happen overnight like okay so all of a sudden you're gonna wake up and there's no government and then they yeah. immediately go to, well, then there's going to be anarchy in the world. There's going to, it's going to be chaotic. It's going to be Mad Max. It's going to turn into anarchy. And then this is a great point because you brought up anarchy. I always correct them and they don't even really know what the true definition of anarchy is because if they think that anarchy means that, you know, what they think it like Hollywood portrays that it's just chaos run amok in Mad Max, they don't even know the true meaning of the word. So can you let people know like what their true meaning of anarchy is? Yeah, so anarchy just means anarchon, which means no rulers. It doesn't mean no rule. Um, doesn't mean no rules. So right. there still are rules, and people are going to make rules all the time. You know, I have at my own house, right? Uh, there's rules if you want to come in my house. Like, okay, yep. I need to probably know you first, <laughs> which is That's the obvious good, yep. thing. <laughs> uh, that would be nice. If I run a business, it's like, yeah, I want some strangers walking in, but uh, it's also my business, so I got to make sure I treat it like a business. And uh, make sure that there's some rules to make sure it runs properly. Otherwise, it's all just not going to work properly. Right. And I can't have like unnatural expectations for people to do things that uh, are just not natural. Right. Like uh, to be you know, addressed a certain way and um, and such like people should always have ownership over their life, their property, because uh, that's just natural. Like yeah. it's not some sort of anarcho-capitalist blah, blah, blah perspective that you want to label it. It's just basic ownership, basic idea of property. Otherwise, you really have no such thing. Um, so and like I said, that's that's freedom is, is being responsible for it, knowing what it is, knowing what it entails. Yes, it involves chaos. Yes, there it involves wrongdoing. You can't take that out of existence. There's always going to be criminals. There's always going to be bad that's people. What I say, yeah. <laughs> but it's, the question is, this is the biggest question is, how do you manifest evil? How do you grow evil? And that could only happen when there's a system that le adds legitimacy to that evil. So if yep. everybody thinks that this evil doing is right to exist, that is how it becomes, you know, a system of slavery. System, slavery yep. 
will always exist in some small form. If I'm saying every wrongdoing will always exist in some wrong form and violence, et cetera. The question is, how does that grow? Yes, it happens due to ignorance. It happens due to fear. It happens due to permissibility, like people just letting it happen. Like, okay, uh, this cop is doing something wrong, but because he's a cop, I'll let it happen. Exactly. Whereas if it's another person who's not wearing a fancy badge and uniform is not a respected authority uh, and they're doing the same exact action as the cop, they are seen as, you know, criminal. They're bad. Get rid of them, even though it's the same action across both people. So why aren't we looking at the action? Why are we looking at the individual and their titles and, and statutes and their their uniforms? Why, why does that matter to us? And that's where the, the line is drawn. Uh, is who is legitimizing slavery and who is not right that uh, that's a hundred percent and that, that's a it's true right and then it's so what i've noticed and especially i was telling you off air over the last what got me really active in starting to speak out and and wanting to do this uh the great work is that over the last couple of years with covid i really saw the number that uh the the social engineers have done on people uh, in general, like as as an aggregate, like just how over the last couple of years, people just fell in line with whatever, as you were touching on, you know, you have people in the government uh, telling you about your health and what you should be doing. They They have no knowledge of this. They're just repeating what they're told by somebody else. But the fact that people fell for this so... Uh, quickly and barely without a fight. And at least in my, I only speak about from what I've seen and in my area, people just kind of rolled over and didn't even uh, put up a fight. They didn't uh, uh, resist at all. And they, and some still in the area that I live, we've had our mask mandates lifted now for a couple months. And there's an, actually a group, and I keep saying this because it just shocks me that there's a group still in my area trying to get these mandates brought back. They want the vaccine passports brought back. They want the mask mandates brought back. They want the social distancing. It's crazy. And they are like really trying to get this put through. And I'm just very shocked about that. And what upsets me, Corey, is that I think the reason that what gets me upset is that people are giving away their rights and their freedoms. And a lot of people don't, you know, don't even know what a right is by definition. Mm -hmm. So if they don't even know, the definition what the what the definition of the word is there it's very easy to give up something if you don't even know what it is you're giving up is what i hope i worded that good i'm trying yeah they they don't have to necessarily define uh right and wrong either uh because there's different ways you can interpret this uh the same words the same uh concepts per se Mm -hmm. right because i can say a right doing is something that doesn't violate nature doesn't violate ownership it doesn't violate responsibility i can go through i could say it doesn't uh create a victim it doesn't it's not a form of theft i I can i I can literally go on and on all day the point is it's like if you have a general picture that yeah it's just not doing harm it's it's not uh causing any disturbance like i said in that sort of natural order of everyday social interaction uh for desires of few or one person uh you start to realize that yeah there's you got to feel the vibe of the room you gotta you gotta feel it (laughs) out you gotta understand people's psychology this is all learning process. Our reason ever develops. Uh, so our understanding of right and wrong is always going to develop as time moves on. And 
this should be something that the human species should generally do- know by now, right? Like I said, people, if I ask them, like, are you going to change somebody up and call them a slave? Like, no, they're going to see that as wrong. Yep. Why is that? Because they have something within themselves that recognizes that it's wrong, not necessarily because they were taught by the school system that slavery was ended for so-and-so reasons. It's because they understand that they don't want to be in that position themselves, exactly. right? Yep. Like, they, they, they put their hand on the hot burner and they realize it hurts them. They're like, I don't want that to happen to somebody else i better educate them and tell them what the effects of their behavior is going to be so that's essentially you know what is right and wrong in a nutshell but you know some people want to stick with their very strict definitions i don't want to give a strict definition because i want to appeal to the everyday person if you have a general sense of morality all you need to know is that authority and government seeks to be an exemption to that morality oh for sure (laughs) that's that's the biggest key here because like i said when somebody in an authority figure is taking the same action as somebody else who isn't um they're seen totally different from the person who who isn't an authority figure and that this right there is like i said where the line is drawn so what gives somebody the right to perform a wrong action that everybody else would say is wrong and anybody else did is wrong what gives them the right to do it and why should they have more rights than the other than the other people that assumes they are the slave master and that they have slaves below them that they get to coerce and compel under their own will so really the only thing you need to define in reality aside from right and wrong you you can go through like i said through many different means i like to just cut right to the chase what is slavery it's the involuntary servitude of another person's labor to another. It's the claim of ownership of somebody's life and property. If you can understand that, it's over. And that's why I wrote a whole book about it. But the book is really small and simple and easy to understand. In fact, more than half of it is quotes from former abolitionists because the abolitionists of the 1800s who ended chattel slavery also understood basic understandings of right and wrong. That's what compelled them to want to free the slaves right so in the first place and they were the ones who were like this needs to happen they created their own newspapers they did all this fancy stuff and essentially are we not doing the same thing (laughs) we're we're creating our own shows we're creating our newspapers to try to educate the public about something happening now can the government step in and try to act like the victor like they did in the 1800s well for this not so much because now we're tackling the very system itself that created slavery and ever maintained slavery in the first place if you go back to the very roots of government you see samaria was the first form of government the oldest form of government and yet also coincidentally just so happens to be the first form of systemic slavery Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe, you know, it totally has nothing to do with the fact that you're creating a class system where certain people have more rights than others, where, you know, there's this monopoly on violence, coercing other people and telling them what to do with their lives totally has nothing to do with that. And of course, their law codes try to appeal to their great uh, intelligence like they have their law codes and they're like, we're here to prevent the strong from oppressing the weak. Meanwhile, they hold slaves (laughs) and they're having a class system that is literally doing exactly that. Like this has gone on for 4,000 to 5,000 years. So when people think government is natural, it's like, then you look at how long human beings have been on earth, like 300,000. Sorry. (laughs) It's not, it's not the same. We've been convinced into an imposed system that is a belief system that has existed for quite some time. And that belief system is called statism. That is what should be the focus, not natural law, not morality. You can, you can get to the same conclusions if you go through those routes, but you don't have to. 
that is what I want to stress is like you don't have to fall into your echo chambers or your certain ways of thinking to achieve the same understanding. If we're looking at something that is universal, that everybody can understand, that is really common sense, because it's is it hard to understand that you own yourself? Is it hard to understand that you shouldn't steal from somebody else, even if you write it on a fancy piece of paper, even if you get other people to do it for you? It's still the same action. Is that really hard to understand? But see, because we have all those layers, all those masks to the action, it somehow makes it seem legitimate to us. So like we'll say theft is taxation instead. We'll call it that. And then somehow everybody will not think it's theft anymore. You see, but yet it's still the same action. This, again, is the legitimization of wrongdoing. And what you happen when you allow any evil, right, it doesn't matter how big the evil is, whether it's a great evil or less evil, whatever you want to call it. If it's any evil, why should we allow it? Because that's how it grows when we exactly. allow an yep. evil. So what is slavery? Ultimately, it is really crime guaranteed and repeated because a slave master, once they have you as a slave, they can do anything to you. They can rob you. They claim ownership over you. They repeatedly guaranteed. So slavery is the is the greatest of all evil. And it's the evil that if you get rid of will provide the most amount of freedom. And how do you get rid of it? Again, education. You can't expect to do it through politics. The abolitionists, guess what? They didn't free the slaves through politics. In fact, they didn't participate in any elections. They didn't hold any office chairs. A lot of people don't know this. A lot of them were anarchists. Okay, and that's why I just want to use the word abolitionist because it just gets to the heart of the matter. If you say anarchist, people are going to think some sort of political ideology. Are you anarcho this, anarcho that? Again, I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about an action. We're abolishing something that's an action. Okay, we're abolishing. That's an action. It's not an ideology. It's not a doctrine. I'm not trying to convince anybody to believe what I want to believe because hence. Heck, I mean, in a free world, nobody's beliefs get to be imposed upon anybody else's. That's the whole point of a free world. So why should I be here like I know everything about this subject? I want you all to believe me like I'm asking for a world where people can think for themselves, where nobody's will is being imposed upon another. That's it. Uh, So if you perfect. And I'm if just you, checking the time, Corey. I don't want to cut you off, sure. but we're we're getting close to uh, the top of the hour. So I know a break music is going to be coming up. But mm-hmm. just to let everyone know that we after the break, we will be covering. Uh, we have Corey Edmund here. We are doing we're covering a lot of great topics and going to be covering a lot more in the second hour, guys. So I hope you guys stick around because we're going to be covering. Uh, I want to talk to Corey about uh, veganism, about religion. Uh, you know, I, a lot of great topics that I still want to cover and uh, hotbed topics that I found out the hard way. A lot of this is uh, even with conscious parenting and that it's definitely topics that uh, get people's feathers ruffled up pretty quickly. So I hope you guys stick around. Uh, definitely looking forward to the second hour, guys. Uh, so please go have a stretch, make a coffee, take a break, do whatever it is that you need to do. And we will be back uh, very shortly for the second hour. Stick around, guys. Yeah. 
going back in. Still men out there. God damn. When I go home, people ask me, hey, who? Why do you do it, man? Why? Some kind of war junkie? I won't say a goddamn word. Why? They won't understand. They won't understand why we do it. They won't understand it's about the men next to you. That's it. That's all it is. Revolution Radio. Freedomslips.com. Number one listener supported radio. The printing press for freedom at a time when freedom is needed the most. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. I will defend myself against their tyranny. Number three is my radio broadcast. I'm squarely in front of the public all the time, and they all know what's going on. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. Hello, my name is John Wayne. And I do a broadcast here at freedomslips.com, revolution.radio, called The Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. Freedom and fear are at war. And folks, I assure you, we are in Defense Condition 1. As we journey perilously through this paradigm that we currently reside in, and I ask that you join me every Saturday, 8 to 10 p.m., Eastern Standard Time for the Unequivocal Truth, DEFCON 1. The original machine had a base plate of prefamulated amulite surmounted by a malleable logarithmic casing in such a way that the two spurving bearings were in a direct line with a panometric fan. The lineup consisted simply of six hydrocoptic marzal veins. So fitted to the ambifacient lunar wane shaft 
that side fumbling was effectively prevented. The main winding was of the normal Lotus O-deltoid type placed in panendermic semi-boloid slots of the stator. Every seventh conductor being connected by a non-reversible tremie pipe to the differential girdle spring on the up end of the gram meters. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio, taking the confusion out of transmutated lunar girdle springs for four years and running. Revolution Radio, the number one listener-supported alternative media radio on the planet. All right, thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Welcome back, everybody. We are back for the second hour of Crypt Ricks. I've been thinking, want to say hello to everybody in chat. I always I forgot to say that at the beginning, guys. I do apologize. I do really enjoy uh, looking at the chat and interacting with you guys. A lot of great people in the chat who are definitely um, hungry for the knowledge. That's for sure. So that's a great thing to see. Just to let everybody know, I do have my guest here, an amazing guest, Corey Edmund. And you can find his work on the One Great Work Network. Uh, along with a lot of other great creators. I think there's like 60 of them on there now. They're all covering amazing, important topics, a lot of the stuff that we're covering here. So guys, definitely check that out. Uh, you're going to find a lot of great information there. That's definitely going to get you uh, thinking and uh, I think uh, teach you a lot. So please check it out, the One Great Work Network. And he also does have a live show that he does every Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I don't also want to just let everybody know he is the author also of two books, one, Slavery Gone for Good, and the second one, Modern Abolitionism and the Wisdom of Nature. So I'm going to get uh, at the end of the show. I'll make sure he lets everybody know about these things, where he can uh, his books, where he can pick them up or any of the other information he'd like to pass on. So you guys can start checking out his work. Definitely worth your time. So welcome back, Corey. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Perfect. I'm great. I got, got to stretch a little bit, and uh, so I definitely uh, ready for the second hour. That one, that first hour flew by. Like amazing information that you are uh, letting people uh, listen and uh, take in. So that I really appreciate you for being here. The one I, I we have so many topics that we can cover. I wish we could go sure. into depth for them all. Like really go into depth and, mm-hmm. uh, but. That's where, you know, I would tell people to go and check out your work on the One Great Work Network and other places where you're putting out your content because then you definitely, as you said, dive deeper into it on these yeah. topics. Now, I was telling you when we were talking off air yesterday, the one topic that I find is a hotbed one when I start talking to people is a veganism. And there is definitely, I found, two sides that are uh, hard stances where it's the full, you know, that's the way to go. It's the only way to go. And then I have other people on the other side saying that's not the way to go. And uh, it's crazy that, you know, people actually uh, think it's a good thing. So I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that and your stance on it. Uh, sure. So it's, uh, a, it's a hot one. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, not sure why, because to be honest, it's just another way of eating. I've studied over 150 different diets because uh, I'm a health coach and I, you know, veganism is just one of them to me. Um, it's among a lot of other diets. Uh, unfortunately, it's not always seen as a diet. More so, it's a more of a religious ideology. Um, and the reason why I say religious is because most of the time when people go vegan, they're not doing it for health purposes. Originally, they're doing it for moral purposes or some other purpose. So that's in their own words. Right. 
most vegans are doing it because of the animals or the environment, et cetera. Um, and I understand they have good intentions and I completely agree, in fact, with a lot of what they say. But it's what they do that I controvert and say, well, not necessarily. Why does there have to be one way of eating that is considered moral? Since, way, since when is there ever one really answer for everything uh, yeah. other than nature itself, which nature comprises of many answers and it depends on many different environments? If I'm living in the Arctic, how am I going to get vitamin D? Uh, could you That's could any point. vegan please give me the answer to that? Uh, the only way you get it is through fish. Uh, otherwise, you have to do supplementation with man-made supplements. And that's an issue because uh, now you're depending on some man-made material. Now, if that allows us to get vitamin D, OK, but then let's look at the forms of vitamin D that you do get, which, by the way, it's like super expensive to get some like fancy mushroom extract for vitamin D. Um, and it's not entirely easy to reproduce but let's say we do get that plant-based version what form of it are we getting and how much of it are we getting and still it's like it's totally impractical and don't you think that if something is true it would have some sort of basis in nature like we talk about natural law a lot of people use that as a justification for veganism yet they completely forget about nature in general which is the root to all natural law so I find a lot of the arguments hypocritical and a lot of the arguments just simply don't make sense logically when you break them down, such as if an alien came down to Earth and saw that humans were eating animals, that justifies them eating humans. No, if they were morally and consciously more advanced wow. than humans, they would know better than humans not to eat the humans, would they not? And if we're both in the capacity for reason, to reason with one another, why would we eat one another? Um, and this is the same reason why, you know, we don't eat other humans, uh, cannibalism. Yeah, um, exactly. Be because there's a psychological part and it just doesn't work out with our nature. So you have to add in all the factors. And this is why it's such a loaded topic and why so many people are so heated about it, especially since it becomes their worldview. They, they embrace it. This is like this is my way of eating my way or the highway like anything else. They feel like this is something that they should do um, with their life. They become part of the identity. Maybe they create YouTube channels. Maybe they're like, I'm posting fancy videos. I'm making all these cool meals. And meanwhile, I could probably just eat one piece of raw liver and get more nutrition than they get in a month. But regardless, uh, <laughs> you know, they might be yeah. proud of it and it might reinforce their religion. Now, what is a religion? Uh, it's something that can either bring people together or it's something that can hold them back, something that is warping their their mental that's the uh, definition of the word yeah religare <laughs> means to hold back yeah. thwart from forward progress or you can look at religio which means to reconnect i mean there's different forms of it the yep. point is is that religion can be that thing that you were just attached to uh your mind is just seeing a limited worldview and by definition any diet any diet is a religion because you're restricting certain foods and you're telling yourself through your mind to your body that you should not be eating a certain food. Your body's not necessarily telling you 
what you should or should not eat. You're not listening to your own body. You're listening to the religion of other people who are perhaps teaching veganism or other people who are teaching these diets. And you're saying, well, yeah, you know, they convinced me. They showed me enough studies. They they're doing it themselves. So that somehow justifies me doing it. Or I can apply this moral doctrine to veganism when I don't even evaluate human rights in relation to to human rights. Um, animal point. rights, you know, versus human rights is something that you can surely discuss. But like I have a whole one hour and 30 minute um, script that I wrote for my anti-vegan video, which, again, is not anti-vegan. It's more so anti-diet, anti-religion. And anything can be a religion. It can be taken as such if yep. you allow it to uh, limit your worldview and not open up the possibilities, not listen to your own body and not find out what works for you. Because veganism can surely work for people. Does that mean it's natural? Does that mean it's long term? These are other questions. I can do any diet healthy if I know how to do that diet. And I can surely feel a lot of benefits if I'm getting off the standard American diet because of how bad it is or any exactly. yes. you know diet that is super bad. Of course, if I get a transition to anything else, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, man, this diet is fantastic. It doesn't make the diet somehow justified uh, or natural for my own biochemistry. Uh, there's more to look at than just, you know, black and white for diet because everybody lives in different environments. Everybody comes from different cultures. Everybody has different ancestors, but there is something. We are one species. Does any other species in nature like, you know, eat different foods like we do? Do they cook with fancy spices and mine things deep out of the earth to try to season their food? I mean, this is why we're so confused in health. It's because we have all these different varieties of foods and spices like for sure. No, no wonder why we're confused. And then we have transport across the world, you know, g eating foods that aren't locally grown or seasonally grown in our own area. And then, you know, what, I wonder what, what what harm that does to the environment as well. You can go into morality and you can go into the natural arguments and both don't line up. So that's why my video is titled Veganism is Unnatural and Immoral. It's both. Yeah. If I just address simple questions like the one I said about the Arctic it's just really hard for any vegan to dispute, and they have to somehow justify it through man-made means. It's the only thing they can do, and you know what? That's because most of their diet is man-made. If you look at all the fruits and vegetables that they consume, they never existed until like a couple hundred years ago when we had all this mass agriculture that's starting to deplete all our soils and uh, yes. have runoff going into the waters. And they don't account for all those deaths. No, because it's easy to film a slaughterhouse of animals getting killed. And let's start blaming the, the local farmers who have their own cattle, even though in freedom, that's what everybody's going to do. In a free world, people are going to have their own animals. They're going to have cattle. And this is just the reality of it. Uh, veganism is not going to go anywhere. And if anything, it's just a distraction from realizing that human slavery still exists. If they're trying to apply to animals, I respect them because, yes, that's we do the one I yeah, that's the one I hear about the most when I get into this topic is that I'm I'm an advocate for hurting animals and uh, the abuse of animals. And I get there. I do get their argument. A hundred percent. I see it. But I'm like you. I, it's not so black and white. You're in the gray areas and uh, because I was telling you off air also that I have hunter friends that are hunters and they are some of the biggest protectors of nature and uh, mm -hmm. for animals in general. Like it's like and I had to, and I and I have to admit years ago I was dead against hunters in general. I, like I remember meeting a friend who is a great friend of mine now. And when I first met him and I got to, I was just getting to know him because he was a neighbor of mine and I found out he was a hunter 
I, I got, I almost did become friends with them and I, but I was open and upfront with them. I wanted to have a discussion and I, because I told them, I said, I'm very uncomfortable with you being a hunter. I don't believe in hurting animals. Uh, and see, this is a whole other topic I could talk about for two hours, but in general, (laughs) that was the discussion I had with him. And he asked me, he said, please sit down with me for one hour. Cause you got I, like, you got this wrong idea of hunters. Cause I was like, they kill everything and they don't care. And it's all about trophies and that. And he was like, Whoa, like, can you just give me an hour? Let me talk to you. And then life and death I'll... has to be embraced as part of nature. Yes. We should and not he, be yeah. afraid of it. And he just broke down what hunters actually do and how they, you know, done properly that they, they do care about nature and that. So I, I get the argument on both sides. I really do guys. I, and I, it's a tough one. And I found that out the hard way by talking to people that people get really heated. So what do you they can like, check out what, my video? They could do yeah. their own research. I'm not telling them what to think. They exactly. can think for themselves. I'm not like, this is not the government where I'm forcing you by gunpoint to do something against your yeah. own will. You have your own decision and you always will for your own health. So uh, that's why, to me, it's not as important as statism, because statism is the scenario where you have certain people's wills being imposed upon others. And I even you know, talked to Mark Passio in an interview I did with him on veganism, because he's somebody who promotes veganism yes. through morality. And he's like, yeah, statism is more important to focus on. We need to free humans from slavery first. That's what he said to me. Yeah. And that's 100 percent true. Very, yeah. very true. And, you know, Again, like flat earth, people can see that as a religion. Anything could be taken as a religion if it restricts your worldview. I just want to repeat that point. Now, let's say a mother can't produce breast milk for her baby, which, first of all, is not vegan by definition. It contains cholesterol, tons of fats, everything that vegans yep. will say causes heart attacks, even though there's no evidence. Um, and I'm I'm, I'm going to blatantly say that because, again, I studied nutrition, which a lot of people who also you know, talk about morality, such as myself, but other people, they just they haven't studied nutrition either. So I can I, I'm going to firmly say, it, especially again, since I have videos on this, if people want to do their own research, I encourage them to. I'm not you know, I, I'm not like some authority on any subject. You know, I'm just a fellow human being sharing a perspective. Of course, I'm going to have knowledge behind what I believe in. So um, but I'm going to have knowledge that doesn't make it a belief. And connecting with nature is something that like none of us do, uh, even myself included. Uh, not enough. Not as much as at least we used to, especially. And oh, for if sure, people right? want to expand human consciousness, they want to expand the human brain. What's a better way than getting all the nutrients that you need for living? And literally, you can eat any single animal organ or piece of meat and get more nutrition than any plant food, by the way, particularly raw, because cooked meat is not necessarily natural. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, people always forget about raw animal products. In most nutrition schools, all the ones that I took, not a single one of them talked about raw animal products. It's probably one of the most censored topics in health. Really? And yet we're talking about veganism as if it's some sort of solution, yet it's promoted by the UN and all these big corporations. Raw animal products heal people. And this is the most healing food you could ever consume, the most easy to digest. You have no problems. They digest within sometimes minutes. You look at like a raw egg, the easiest food to digest, contains every nutrient you need. When you start cooking it, you lose like over 50% of the protein, all the nutrients, most of it is destroyed. And this goes for any food out there. And for plants in the first place, when you have all these tough fibers that you have to digest through, it's like you got to cook it in order to eat it half the yep. time. And then you and cook like I said, a lot of the plants, vitamins and stuff when you cook yeah, it. 
Yep. And these plants haven't even existed, like I said, until recently when people started creating all the agriculture, which hmm, also coincidentally started at the same exact time as the first government, the first form of slavery, the Sumerian Empire. Is it a coincidence that, you know, we start to decline in our health at the same time as becoming slaves, the same time as, you know, supposedly uh, creating civilization? Yeah, you mean organized civilization, <laughs> governments. Um, <laughs> but but yes, this, these are things that we cannot ignore. If a mother can't produce breast milk, they have to do raw milk. It's the uh, the only best alternative to that. I mean, you can look at baby formula. I mean, come on. <laughs> Are we going to yep. justify the man made for the natural, which is supposed to be natural? And why is the mother not producing uh, breast milk is another question. And uh, pregnancy alone is enough evidence for anybody to realize that veganism is not something that they should do. Their body's constantly craving fats and proteins and animal. I mean, plants don't have fats. They have oils. Uh, and those oils, they are they're blocked by uh, anti nutrients. They have cellulose fiber blocks the, the nutrients as well, causes bloating. Um, it's a prebiotic, no probiotics, no bacteria. Um, the cholesterol is necessary for all your hormones. You can't even produce vitamin D without it. I mean, you literally need animal uh, nutrients. There's over like 20 different nutrients you right. can't get yep. from plants at all include and then keep that in account with the anti-nutrients with the cellulose with the fiber in addition to if you cook it and if it's exported across the world if it's not fresh if it's processed and soon you end up with basically no nutrients if it, including the nutrient depletion in the soils like soon you literally yes. end up with nothing <laughs> i when i started i i've been laughing and kind of joking with people that i i talk have on my show that over the last like three months i'm becoming a soil expert which was totally unexpected but I started hearing rumbles about, you know, underground, like kind of, it was kind of weird how it just kind of came to me in a way, um, learning about our soil and big pharma, like not big pharma, big farming or, you know, mass farming um, and how bad our soil is and how, yeah. like the one example I heard was like, if you want to eat like even an apple that you ate even 20 years ago to get the same amount of uh, vitamins and minerals and stuff that you got from that apple 20 years ago, you'd have to eat seven or eight apples now. Because yeah. of, you know, there's no, there's no real, yeah, you can get vegetables and fruit and all of that at the grocery store, but there's no real nutrition in it. And when you start looking in the soil and what they've done and how they've been farming on this same soil for over 200 years without, you know, letting the soil uh, recover and they just keep throwing chemicals on it, chemicals on it, we're, we could be in a serious problem, Corey, in a few years with our just food. We need like, animals. There's, yes, not, yes, not consuming I mean, them, but on the farmland as well. Regenerative yes. agriculture. Yep. And it's something I think people, and how many people think about dirt? I mean, I never really honestly did, like, other than one of my gardens and stuff, but I never really looked into it. And I think people should, like, recommend that people do start looking into it because it's a it's a topic that when you start looking into it, it's simple. You think dirt and you don't really think much of it. When you dive into it, there is problems. And so it's really shocking how we could have all this food maybe on our shelves in a few years but there's going to be no nutritional value in it yeah um and that's that's the, the one of the main issues like if we want to expand consciousness if we want to uh help humanity in many different ways and there's so many other things i could say among the points that you mentioned but like they're all in my uh, scripted video so i recommend yep. people check it out this idea of giving and getting uh, the animals providing for us just as we provide for them the yep. way it's been done for 
well, since humans' first existence, not 5,000 years ago, like government first started. No, 300,000 yeah. <laughs> years ago, uh, which Very helped true. with the formation of our brains and everything else. Um, so definitely essential. Like we wouldn't even be probably talking about natural law itself if it weren't for all these nutrients that we got through animal products, which is just quite ironic and funny I, to me within itself. <laughs> I agree. And I and what's scary too is a lot as you were saying at the be a start of when we start talking about veganism, a lot of people just do it because they think it's the right thing to do and then not realizing that if you are gonna go down that path, you have to know what you're doing. Like you can't just I think people think veganism, a lot of people, you know, you just eat rough like salads and some fruit and stuff like that. But when I was looking into it, you really have to know what you're doing if you're gonna do it properly. It's not something you can just do like make your yeah. mind up one day and go i'm a vegan and then you just start your body's gonna like crash like I, this is something yeah. you have to get educated on and and uh you know juicing yes smoothies yes. super so why, important yeah and i think that there's a there is a somewhere where both can meet in a in a positive way where we yeah. get the you know the like do it properly with animals i'm not for you know abusing animals in any way guys i am not trust right. me but is there a way that we can meet in the middle where it's mm -hmm. a common ground? And that's the discussion I like to have. So, yeah, I think, like I said, giving and getting this natural process of life and death and, and animals giving to us as we give to them and provide them with uh, their essential shelters. Um, I mean, there's a reason why we use cows and chickens instead of other animals. And, you know, uh, it's it's because they're they're good for for the environment they're good for so many reasons uh in india they've always blessed cows and they're like oh my gosh it's holy and sacred they use ghee medicinally it's basically just butter without any of the sugars that are hard to digest it's yep. literally just pure fat and they consider that medicinal and it heals the body uh i use it instead of butter all the time and you can get it grass-fed they sell it at a lot of stores now it's good. There's a lot of appeal, though, in the in the stores, especially over the last five years. I've noticed drastic changes within the stores. They're appealing to gluten free, vegan, That's true. Uh, organic. Yep. And, uh, you know, those don't ensure necessarily that there's nutrients. Uh, even grass fed doesn't ensure that it's actually grass fed. I mean, mm -hmm. so just just be aware of these things. It's better to connect with the food and understand uh, it yourself. Maybe meet your local farmers and talk with them. I mean, what better could you do than that? I was going to just suggest that. You're right. But the problem, at least in my area, though, Corey, is that if you want to buy uh, raw products off the farmers, they've made, of course, they put a law in that's against the law to do that. And so that should be the first flag is when the government doesn't want you <laughs> kind of... Um, doing this and and going that route but i mean it, you can get in a lot of trouble at least where i live if you try to buy like raw milk off a yeah. farmer or eggs or anything it's illegal. really yeah they're making it very difficult raw milk has been illegal for so long uh in in different states like it still is and it's just it's astonishing to me that something so natural can be illegal and that's why yeah. i need to look at it that's why people need to look at it instead of instead of having this debate about veganism it's like this is something that's clearly illegal that they don't want you drinking. You look at any old fashioned health book and it's like raw milk is like that's cures everything. <laughs> yep. And yet if you look at pasteurized dairy and look at the studies nowadays, it's like it causes cancer, like the complete opposite effects of raw dairy. Uh, this, that's the power of cooking. Some people go as far to believe that all modern disease uh, occurred when pasteurization started, when yep. we started heating up everything, like everything overseas has to be heated up. Uh, everything needs to just go through extreme heat temperatures and we're all conditioned to always cooking our food. And it's something that 
I've you grow more conscious of if you just anybody who does juicing or um, smoothies should notice uh, immediately that they get a lot more energy through raw foods. Oh, for sure. They also like just in general, um, you know, provide more nutrients. Uh, Even if you're doing smoothies with vegetables and fruits, you're helping break down the fibers, making it a little bit easier to digest. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you can go into. I actually have a health book that I started in 2018 that I never released and oh, I'm you going, should for sure. <laughs> I'm going to consider releasing it. It's just the only issue is it's like over 600 pages and it requires a lot of review for me. You know, health is very picky. I want to make sure they would be pretty perfect. And as it is, I already have a hundred other projects going on. So, <laughs> um, I, I, as much as I want to get it out there and I have like fancy smancy figurative diagrams and such. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily the most important either. Like I want people to look at government and slavery and this basic freedoms. Like there's a reason why I stopped doing my health coaching practice, you know, and, and I'm still passionate about health, of course, but what is, what am I really passionate about? I'm passionate about freedom. If somebody takes self-control of their own health, they're freeing their own health, their own body. The same way as if somebody frees their own mind when it comes to politics, they're freeing their own body from slavery in, in both ways. So it's um, to me, it's always been about really freedom because that's right. that's what it's always come down to, uh, at least within my own you know introspection. I, I, I agree. I totally agree with what you're saying. And that that's a, it kind of oh, feed off of each other. Once you start addressing that, we deal with those issues. It all kind of all come together, I think. But we have to first deal with the most pressing <laughs> issues, which is like you were saying, slavery and that we have to get mm-hmm. through that before we start trying to do other things. And I think so you got to find the most important place that we have to work on and get uh, fixed before we start moving on. I think that's a great point. Um, the one thing that I'm just checking my bullet points. I The one yeah. thing that I want to talk to you about, too, was we were kind of you want to talk about um natural intelligence versus artificial intelligence and i just want you to get your thoughts and what you mean by that because i think this is a, another thing i talk about a lot too is um i've had people on talking about conscious parenting and that's how we kind of came across this topic when we were talking and i was saying that i see at a younger and younger age that parents are letting uh phones and tablets and uh that sort raise their kids uh it's kind of becoming a babysitter and i and i know people that i i see this happening and people around me so i wanted to get that's how we kind of got onto this topic and i'd like to get your thoughts on that on natural intelligence versus artificial intelligence sure well i can use a little example tying into our previous topic uh with uh, us talking about health when we understand the body and how it works we're ultimately gaining an intelligence of that body and understanding Mm -hmm. the intelligence of the body so we're not only obtaining intelligence for ourselves, but recognizing the inherent intelligence within the universe at the same time. That's how we obtain intelligence is by seeking that intelligence to begin with. Right. So, for example, I'm drinking water, but not just regular water. I'm drinking water with fulvic minerals in it. And somebody can look into this if they're not getting enough like nutrients. They don't eat organs. Uh, they might want to go get fulvic minerals because it provides all the minerals they need. They can add to their water. It's coming from a natural source. That's an example of what I would call naturalization in my second book, Wisdom of Nature, uh, which is learning from natures to understand what those natures require. Um, 
what is natural to those natures, essentially. And so if they require minerals and there's a natural way of us getting those minerals, of course, the most natural way would be organs or other means. But if you can't, then the fulvic minerals would be a good general option. But you always have that intelligence, that that mind uh, that you recognize that there might be something more natural than that. And that is, of course, recognizing the natural from the unnatural, which is a huge theme within that book, which you can define. And I go as far as to make a big claim to say that what is natural is what is right and what is healthy. And you can equate natural to reality uh, or nature to reality. And so what's real is what promotes reality. What is natural is what promotes nature. I make these connections very clear. Now, a lot of philosophers would be like, you're making the appeal to nature fallacy that you can't do that. You're making the naturalistic fallacy. And they start giving me the whole shebang <laughs> that they were taught to read off their little script that they they heard of in school. Um, <laughs> and and I have a whole video addressing that, of course, too. But the book kind of essentially debunks that whole notion of the appeal to nature. Since when is appealing to nature considered a bad thing or something we shouldn't do? Does that then justify humans being God? Does that then justify us doing whatever we want to nature? No, it does. But when we say appeal to nature is a fallacy, we start to make it sound like mankind could do pretty much anything to nature. And that's where I draw the line. I was like, OK, I got to write a book about it. OK, I got to make a video about it because I, I'm here to defend nature. Ultimately, I'm just a messenger. Me too. And, yep. you know, I don't like I said, I don't claim to be the authority of nature. Nobody can be. It's recognizing that very nature within itself that helps us understand nature. So that is natural intelligence is realizing there's an intelligence bef- beyond your own intelligence that we're seeking to understand. And that intelligence is greater than any intelligence that we can create or we have. So if we create something called artificial intelligence, it's always going to be trivial to natural intelligence for natural intelligence was what allowed us to create artificial intelligence in the first place. That's very true. If you look up natural intelligence versus unnatural uh, intelligence or uh, artificial intelligence, you'll get my video documentary about on it. It's almost about two hours, I think. And I produced this one a couple months back, uh, but it goes over a lot of different points about natural intelligence. But essentially, it's really simple. You learn from nature and you realize that everything is connected. There's a harmony. There's an order that takes place. And when you recognize that order and you understand it, which requires practice and patience and utilizing your own natural intelligence, like I said, uh, you attain a knowledge that you're destined to have and that without it, you actually cannot even have artificial intelligence. Right. If the human consciousness cannot keep up with um, human made intelligence uh, of artificial intelligence, uh, we will destroy ourselves. Ultimately, this is why so many people talk about artificial intelligence, how it's going to destroy the whole world and it's going to end up in nukes and robots taking over, you know, Terminator movie stuff. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk was a big advocate for that for a lot of years. He was speaking yeah. out against AI. Like yeah. a lot of people forget about that. He's not really on the bandwagon as much now, but a few years ago he was big on warning people about AI and stuff. Yeah. And yet he's he's the one like creating it, which is interesting. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) But yeah. And and there's a lot of questions I have about him, but I don't know who he is. So I'm not going to make a lot of statements. And a lot of people just want to say he's this or he's that based off just looking at who funds him. Like that's not enough for me. Um, He has made a lot of interesting statements that I agree with. And I'd be interested to see how that plays out. But another issue is what happens when he dies and what happens if he crosses the line? Like somebody can easily take him out. If he dies, somebody has to take his throne and they're not going to act the same way he acts. So like either way, you're going to end up with problems. 
the 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 solution lives in the mass public where the humans must increase their own uh natural intelligence their consciousness essentially and elon has said this he actually did a whole tweet i think that says we need to increase human consciousness because he realizes how important it is but is he actually doing that well you need to have education of how the machines work uh what they serve what they're actually doing and so we'll see how things play out because of course we're still like in early stages of artificial intelligence but for sure yes um we're very new to all that that's why my book is going to probably be timeless and my whole message of nature is the answer is only going to grow more relevant because government is clearly unnatural slavery is clearly unnatural and what happens when robots start to take the place of man and robots are taking over everything it's going to be pretty darn clear <laughs> that we're away from nature and it's only going to continue growing in that direction especially as we become more slavish and forget our connection to nature because again in order to realize our connection of nature that is to free ourselves to begin with like we wouldn't be free uh if we don't understand what freedom is it's a natural thing yeah so uh and they're definitely trying to uh further that divide from from people to nature i especially have seen yes. that over the last few years uh with the whole you know lockdowns and you know just in general they're keeping people they're trying to make that disconnect and that gap even further. And I keep trying to tell people that you have to get back to nature, that that's where it, we have to get back to. And they're doing everything in their power to make that divide and that chasm a lot greater than mm -hmm. it already is. And I think people have to start realizing that, that, you know, you have to get back to to nature and they're they're they don't want it that's for sure it's the same thing though with morality right everybody likes morality they understand it generally but it's yep. how you put that into practice so the same thing with nature all these people are like yeah we need to go back and down in nature oh uh, yeah i love nature but yet like how much do they actually understand it or put it into practice this is the whole purpose of my book right. um i admit that i am not necessarily connected to nature i mean what am i doing right now i'm talking you know, on a on a, a technological <laughs> device, but you can use technology for nature. You can understand what technology is doing to your nature. You can still understand yourself, your own nature. See, when I say nature is the answer, I'm not just saying like go outside, start becoming primitive, and go <laughs> off the grid. I'm saying you need to know your own nature. You need to know what Human nature is. Nature. Otherwise, yeah. what is nature if you don't know it? What is any appeal if you don't know what you're actually appealing to? So, like when people say an appeal to nature is a fallacy. Like, what is a fallacy if not an illogical uh, situation? Um, an appeal requires knowledge, any appeal. Otherwise, it's not an appeal. So, of course, an appeal would be in a fallacy if it's missing uh, components. Yeah, makes sense. And even the Wikipedia claims and, and says that uh, the appeal to nature fallacy cannot be a fallacy if there's enough knowledge. So I'm like, what's the whole point then of saying it's a fallacy? <laughs> the fact that so many people say that, you know, what is natural is somehow good, like in uh, the supermarket, right? They look at a product that says 100% natural. So it's like, oh, it must be healthy. Yeah, of course, that's a unknowledgeable appeal to nature. But it doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong. They're picking that product because they assume that it does have more things that are natural. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily that they know or that they looked into it or anything like that or that they know what is natural, what is good. But, yes, I'm saying that you can absolutely equate what is natural and what is good. And again, this is this is my own talking script. You're not going to hear this from anybody else because I think for myself. 
you know, all these people who want to repeat Mark Passio's talking point of a right doing it causes no harm. It's like, I'm sorry, but, you know, there's also like a thousand other natural law teachers going back like 3000 years. And they also shared a lot of perspectives of the same exact perspective, but in different words. You don't have to use the same exact words. Uh, and there's a reason why Mark uses the word natural law. It's like because. You know, and, and some people think all the natural law people at the past disagree with each other. No, they, they generally all agree. This is why yep. they all use the same term. And again, this is why we all use the word nature. Like we have a natural gravitation toward nature. And you're right. We're being kept away from that gravitation. And the more we understand that, um, that gravitation, then the more we can apply it. But just saying it is not enough. People realizing that's there. It's the first part. Recognition comes first, but knowledge is then the next part. And then you grow into a new recognition. Right. I realize that I own myself. But how much do I realize that? Well, depending on the knowledge that I have, if I gain more knowledge, then I can create a even greater recognition of like, wait, I own myself because of this or because of that. So now my recognition has grown recognition, right? You're recognizing the brain. You're allowing your brain to think more and more. The more you recognize and expand your perception, the more you'll be able to see everything in existence, all sides, all angles, all perspectives, and you'll right. be able then to to see the truth more. Right. Would you, would you, because what you're describing is what I call shadow work, and okay. that's doing the work on, and that's just what I use. I, I like that term because I do think that that is if you're do that's what you need to do is to kind of do that work on yourself. So I kind of lump, uh, say it's shadow work because you're confronting yourself, your beliefs, and all of the things like why you believe certain things and the mm -hmm. things that you kind of lie to yourself about. And I think so. I call that shadow work, which I think is so important to get a strong foundation. Do you would you lump would you say that too that what you're describing is a form of shadow work? Um, or what are your thoughts on it? Like I'm just curious. Yeah, could you define shadow work? For, what do you define shadow work as, real quick? Like uh, for me, for sentence? me, when, yeah, for me, when I think of shadow, in my the way I describe shadow work to people is it's the time that you are uh, quiet with yourself and uh, you know confronting mm. yourself and asking yourself yeah. questions and uh, just being honest with yourself. That's what the, probably my key would be to this is that this is the time that you have to be brutally honest with yourself and address a lot of issues that you. Hence why I call it shadow work, stuff that you kind of bury down and don't want to address. And I think it kind of fits in with what you were saying. Yes. Um, within my second book, The Wisdom of Nature, as you start to read on and on, you start to realize that understanding nature, which essentially the book is a guide to doing, mm -hmm. um, is a process that you can simplify, a process that you can simply do. Um, meaning the actions are simple to so much as the thoughts. Uh, right. Once you start gaining enough knowledge, you realize how simple it actually is, even though you gained more knowledge. How is that possible? Well, again, it's because you, you've seen so many perspectives and you've seen where they come together. It's like looking right. at all the philosophers and all the people who did teach natural law in the past and seeing where they all agreed. It's it's the same deal. And the Tao Te Ching uh, details as well. That's why I have excerpts of it in that book. I also have excerpts of nature. The the it's a writing by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and I think that's a great uh, text to talk about nature. And, and they do the same thing, um, where 
they reflect uh, stoicism, transcendentalism, uh, the same practices where you go into nature and you reflect, you think for right. yourself. That's why I was asking. Right. And that is a very, very, very good practice. Of course, it will allow you to understand nature even better because now you're just sitting with your own nature or you're sitting with nature itself. Right. Uh, so you're in the, the, the direct source. Absolutely. Right. Perfect. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you that just because uh it that's what it, it reminds me of was when you were saying that I was like that's kind of what I do when I'm sitting outside quiet by myself and asking questions and kind of just getting to know nature you know and myself and human nature all of that kind of kind of fits in so that's why I wanted to ask you about that which is amazing so um I can't believe that our hour is almost up Corey wow <laughs> it just flies so quickly I wish it, I and there's more I want to talk about but I also want to give you at least of you know 10 minutes to let people know what you I know you have so much going on right now so I want to give you a, amount, a good amount of time to let people know uh, what you have going on, where they can find you. I know you have a lot of projects going on, and I want people to start checking out your work. So can you just let people know all about where they can find your work, what you're doing now, what you have planned for the future? Uh, that would be amazing. Yeah, so I'm working on a summit where anybody uh, who's listening out there, you could potentially join if you have any expertise on freedom, ownership, you feel like you have a, a story to share, you know, uh, I, I welcome you. I want people to collaborate with me as I am actually creating a lot of new projects that feature a lot more collaboration rather than my own presentations, my own books. I'm starting to move into the more collaboratory realm because uh, I've wanted to head toward that way anyways. Amazing. And yeah, and I think it's just great when we could bring more people together. It's a win-win for everybody. Everybody uh, helps each other. Everybody's presence grows together. Again, this is the, the need for a movement as well, but it also makes it easier to have a movement because I'll be honest, like I said, nobody even in my own network has been uh, doing some of the things I said, like having my simple flag, which I created for them. I created for everybody to share, to have, and they don't even have to use that exact flag. They can customize it. And so I encourage people to go to nita.one and they can check out uh, the website. And that's the website for the movement where they can learn about a lot of this knowledge and also act. There's literally two buttons. One says learn and the other says act. <laughs> so I keep it really simple. And uh, of course, I have video content that's not on the website because like I said, I created that website for everybody, not just me. I create that for everybody. Uh, my own works are separate from the website. And if you just look up Corey Nature's The Answer, you'll get it. If you want to learn about my books, I do have landing pages and introduction videos. So you'll find that online when you look up uh, Corey Nature's The Answer. And I encourage anybody, you know, to, to use Nature's The Answer as their motto. Uh, use my flag on, on their websites, their podcasts, whatever, what have you to help promote these ideas so we can all be unified in at least something. And I'll maybe share their logos if or their symbols if they have anything to share. Like, please, let's let's collaborate. I want that to happen. So I'm starting to summit. I'm starting an online newspaper after, which is going to be like more long term. Yeah, that's and, exciting when you were telling me about that. I think yeah. that's something that is not happening enough for sure is well, getting people to do something like that. It's like I look at the abolitionists of the past, right, and I observe their strategies. So I want to kind of emulate exactly what they did, and that's why I'm creating the Liberator 2 based off of the Liberator 1 from the 1800s, which was an abolitionist newspaper. Their motto was uh, our countrymen are all mankind. Our country is the world. And that's exactly what we're promoting, is it not? Yep. 
that everybody should be treated equally. We're all uh, human beings that, you know, God's government or nature, whatever you call it, uh, essentially all the same thing is above all the that same of, rights. <laughs> yeah, is above human authority. Yep. And that, that's the reason why we should end slavery. That's the reason why we should understand what slavery is. And I'm telling you, that's all we need to know in order to free ourselves from slavery is just knowing what slavery is or knowing how to practice self-ownership. And Larkin Rose puts it perfectly. He's also somebody who doesn't uh, subscribe to the vegan agenda uh, or veganism in general and has an open mind to it. You know, he's just focusing on what needs to be focused on, which is human slavery, which is statism. And I appreciate his approach because it's very common sense, common minded, and he's evaluating it at an individual level. He's teaching people how to speak with one another. He's putting out documentaries. Everybody's got their own voice here, and I think it's fantastic. The more we can collaborate, we don't just have to have people in the occult world. We don't have to just have people in the ANCAP world or whatever other label they want to put themselves onto or the abolitionist world. But as long as we can all have some sort of central uh, union uh, of of ideas and maybe shared symbolism, I mean, our impact will just be absolutely massive. Great. Yeah, yeah, it will be. It'll be it'll be game changing and bring it, really it out will. to the independent media, the people who, who don't hear about these ideas. Right. There's still a lot of people in independent media who are exposed to anti-statism, people who are promoting politics left and right. Um still within independent media, but they're free minded. So they're so they're going to be people who might be more receptive, like I said, or even the common law assemblies. These are action steps. I have a video titled practical action steps toward total freedom. And then I have another video called the four steps toward total total freedom. It's not that hard to do. It's just you have to do some configuration within your own life because I'm not living your life. I can't tell you what you should do, but there's a general direction we have to head. There's a general de- de- direction that we all re- recognize that must be done, which is this human destiny, this human destiny for freedom that we have to follow. If we don't follow, we end up with consequences, chaos, ultimately. So what we're getting now. <laughs> yes. And so it's it's a matter of education, not politics, not anything else, but education, just like the abolitionists did in the past. That's why we're doing newspapers and summits and you're invited. <laughs> so if you're out there, uh, just look up Corey Nature's Dancer and hook up. If you have any questions, even if you're like starting your own podcast or video channel, I'm willing to help out. Um, of course, this this is something that everybody needs to get involved with. I I agree, and then that's the one thing I keep telling people too is that you're gonna you know you have to start turning the like because they're using technology against us by mm-hmm. and I say that by the social media and everything, and I keep telling people like it's not enough to know this information, and that was kind of a place that I was sitting at for a lot of a long time. I I was taking in this information as quick as I could, and I still do. I'm hungry for this knowledge, and I want to keep taking it in and in. But you have to also in this kind of boils back to when we were talking about action people have to start realizing that you have to learn and that was always my excuse was i i didn't know how to use a computer i didn't have a computer like until recently i didn't know any of the programs so i had a lot of excuses and i had to that was one thing that i had to put a stop to and stop making excuses and i think people have to start um stepping up to the plate and showing some courage and then learning about technology so they can learn it and then get their message out, which is going to add to this whole movement. I think it's so important that if you have this knowledge, you want to get it out there. You have to learn the technology side of it because that's the world that we live in. And I just think a lot of people stop at the knowledge part and they don't follow through all the way. They don't go to the action step. 
Yeah, remember, it's your natural intelligence to understand artificial intelligence. Yep. To understand the intelligence beyond artificial intelligence. And it is natural for us to uh, merge with the current world that we live in in order to continue living in it. Otherwise, we will succumb to our own fate of ignorance, uh, to fear, to to misunderstanding, to deception, of course. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was I just kind of giggling to myself because that was always my excuse. I just didn't have the technical know-how. And then I realized that I had to start somewhere. And then once you start learning, it's not that bad, guys. It really isn't. Uh, There's a learning curve like everything else, but it's not as hard as I was making it out to be. (laughs) That's for sure. It's just, you know, I think a lot of people just have to get started and have the drive to do that. And I really think that what you're doing with the wanting to do the summit and this newspaper and that, I think that's a really positive steps. And I think it's, it's going to make a big difference. And because bringing all of everybody together is I think the way to go. Cause we got, I think we're just too scattered right now in a way and fighting Like we were saying earlier, fighting amongst each other. So yeah. I think that's a great thing that if we can bring this all together and become one, kind of like one and don't be afraid don't be afraid to go to political parties or meetings or anything like that like i said and if you want and you don't want to expose your identity or yourself or put out stuff yourself don't worry i created also sheets that you can share uh from my from nita.one as well and ita.one where you can print up like business cards that will bring people to uh different events or different knowledge i mean there's so much you can do you can you can hand out flyers there's endless amount of uh, ways to, to share information. I have a lot of videos about it. So I, I do encourage people put in a little bit of effort if they care about the world. They have to do something about it. It's better than complaining about the world, right? And just, just That's so true. <laughs> I mean, I, I see that a lot. You know, people want to rant or complain to somebody else. And it's like, well, you know, if you put it online, it's universal, it's eternal, it's always out there. At least you're doing something. You're getting it out to maybe people who never heard that knowledge before. Practice makes perfect try it <laughs> yeah you know have a podcast it's easy you just invite some people on uh you know or or, or maybe have a slideshow or maybe make a clips channel where you clip this uh this radio show or clip uh, somebody else's content if they allow you to you know like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot you can do and that just adds up and you gain confidence and you see the numbers and maybe that inspires you you know but you got to have this also this internal drive like we said in the beginning this purpose that also that you realize that the world is going bad. So you feel like you're morally obligated to do something about it. Don't right. wait on others. Don't wait on Mark Passio or Corey Endrelot or, you know, or Crypt Rick to, to put out all the content for you. Uh, produce content alongside us. Get involved. I would love to see it. I love meeting new people. Me too. And I think everybody out there, especially people who listen to stuff like this, let's be honest. They're people who have some expertise in something that uh, even if they think they don't, they have certain knowledge that a lot of people could use. Right, right. And I, and I also tell people, too, that you don't like because I'm everybody's got a talent. I always say that. And it doesn't mean that if you want to do this, the great work, you don't have to do it through. If you don't like public speaking, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to do it through videos. I like the way that you said there's so many other ways you can get involved. I think people think that you just either have to have a podcast or be all over, you know, a radio show or something like that. But everybody's got talent. So I tell people, you know, maybe you can do it through art. You can do it through poetry. You can do it through music. There's so many different ways right. that this information can be passed on. And I just hope people realize that, they, it, you know, there's not just one way to do the great work. Yes. Be creative. Absolutely. Yeah. Creative is the way to go, I think. And I, Which yeah, is I, improvising. 
exactly well yeah you're not necessarily creating from scratch like you're not going to come up with some necessarily genius idea you just you look (laughs) at other people's works let them inspire you see who you like and be like hey i want to produce content like that or maybe i could do it better you know maybe i see that they're they're missing something like these are things to pick up on (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and i'm just keeping track of time i i think we got about five more minutes so i i what i wanted to ask you too Corey, is Mm -hmm. what i should have asked you this at the beginning but what kind of got you started on this journey? Like, how long ago did you start this journey that you're on right now and getting this information out there? Like, what made you start doing this? I'm just curious. Uh, just curiosity. Okay, <laughs> I, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's a really simple answer. Sorry, I can't go into like some long rant. Like, I, you know, something crazy happened. Like, I, I just asked a lot of questions and okay. I fell down just the rabbit hole of observation not even research uh but internal research uh looking at nature like i said uh i don't think you necessarily need textbooks or the internet to come to understand (laughs) your own nature or the nature of ownership or slavery especially if it's occurring in many different places around us and that's why we're concerned uh it's not hard to look at people's mentalities either and see that the state of the world is sort of reflection of people's mentalities the reflection of people's actions right yeah, no, no, that's I figured it like that. It's funny. I just giggled when you said that, too, because I've, I've always been a curious person, too, like that. So that's kind of how it just I it happened, too, for me. It's just I've always been somebody that really hungers to to learn things and that. So I was always looking into things, uh, want to learn about why the world is the way it is and curious about why people are the way they are. So it just kind of like it was just a curiosity that started leading me down this path. And so I'm the kind of like you. There's not this amazing story behind it or anything. It's just it was curiosity. <laughs> I know. And- Sorry, guys. It's not like some <laughs> grand movie where it's like we do have to take up arms to the state and defeat this legendary boss. And there's going to be explosions <laughs> everywhere. And we're going to be like, yeah, we're free now. No, I'm sorry. It's going to be more like, okay, we understand what statism is. We're not going to participate. Well, we're free now. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's the most boring movie ever. <laughs> like Larkin said it too in his video titled The Solution. He's like, yeah, sorry, it's not really that epic. It's just like people re- coming together, like two armies coming together and being like, why are we doing this? All right, let's just go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, <it's> just... <laughs> There's your big movie. Eh? All right, we're going home. That's yeah. it. Like, why are we yeah. doing this? Why are we fighting each other? We don't even know each other. Like, let's just go hang out. Let's go to the bar. You know, it's like. Exactly. Right. And that that's and I say a lot of the times, too, that it's definitely this is a war, uh, a battle of consciousness. I think it's it. That's where the battle is, is uh, people that that's what they're trying to keep Between people. Order you know, followers. Right. Yes. And, yes. and people. I was going to say that. Actually. Themselves. It, it, yeah. It's that simple. But order following is statism. Ultimately, it's the belief that you need some sort of authority telling you what to do. Uh, If you are in self-control, you know, the no party, (laughs) um, you are a good name. The no party. (laughs) Yeah. The the K-N-O-W and the no. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No party. And uh, there's a shirt about it. There's a whole bunch of graphics online. So I kind of stole that reference. But (laughs) you get the point. It's a good logical equation. It's it just makes sense. Like we don't want to prescribe to either side. Like why not just prescribe to humanity, to truth itself? Truth is our religion. Nature. Right. This is this is that's what goes into deism. Like that question has before. I didn't go that deep into it. But deism is just observing the world of nature and learning from it. It's literally natural intelligence. It's natural law. Same thing. 
Yeah, that, that that's what I I tell people exactly. Yeah, we didn't cover deism that much. It was one of yeah. the some people call it deism, but deism. it's D E I S M. Uh, it's a it's a forgotten quote unquote religious philosophy back then in the 18th uh, century. And Thomas Jefferson was a deist. A lot of the founding fathers were. They at least owned a lot of books by deists as well. The Declaration of Independence was heavily influenced by it because they wrote laws of nature to which nature's God owns. That's all like deist type speaking uh, because they recognize that instead of saying God, they can say laws of nature or they they could just say nature or they can understand God through the intelligence without faith, without superstition, without uh, miracles and supernatural events and man-made churches. They can actually understand God or the intelligence, whatever you want to call it. It's very open minded. Like you can be a spiritual deist. You don't you can be an agnostic deist. Like you can still believe that there's some sort of creator or some sort of intelligence. And you can admit that you don't necessarily know all about it. But by learning from nature and learning from the laws, you recognize there is something there has to be a first cause and there has to be a a mover type of deal. Right. That makes and there's no labels then like there's no rigid, you know, religion title or something to it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a great way to, as you said, have it. I you said it perfect. Like real that yeah that was that's really interesting. That's and another one, right? If if anybody listening is religious, and I have a documentary called Deism: The Philosophy perfect. Between Religion and Atheism. Feel free to oh. check it out. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I can't believe the two hours are up. Uh, thank you so much, Corey, for for coming on. You're always welcome back. I want to have you back on to do another two hours uh you're always welcome back please guys check out Corey edmund's work one great work network and all the other places he said guys thank you for being here i really enjoy it take care guys thank you Corey. thank you
This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 